Good morning. Please be in a spirit of prayer to hear and receive God's word. The scripture this morning is from Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 20. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God, who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Gerbeshites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them your commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked in their rebellion, appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves in an image of a calf and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt or when they committed awful blasphemies. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. God, you are giver of life, and we are in awe of you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Laura, for reading that ex exceptionally long scripture for today. Huh? <laughs> and uh, 
And I'll say uh, welcome, church, and all of you who are new here today. It's so glad to be with you and have you here worshiping together. Uh, and whether you're worshiping in person or online, uh, you may want to visit our webpage. This will be a great thing to do every Sunday, faithwestwood.com forward slash Sunday links. And, uh, you know, we don't give you a whole lot of paper anymore to, when you walk in because uh, everything you need is right there. And, uh, for example, it has a link to sign up for my next Faith Walk class, which will be on uh, Saturday morning, November 12th. And uh, it's for those of you who want to move from being a participant to now also being a partner, a member at Faith Westwood. And uh, we're going to have a good group. I would love to have you, have you there. Now, you may have seen uh, in my email this week, it came out on Friday, that the church council has agreed that Faith Westwood will have an all-church conference on January 22nd to vote on its denominational affiliation. Okay? And my commitment to you is that I am available to be your pastor regardless of which way it goes. Uh, and my, my personal request to you is that you also stay in faith westward, which, regardless of whichever way the, uh, the vote goes. Uh, and I would say if you're unsure, then stay at least through 2023 because I want you to see how little things will change. Now, all this month, we are praying for discernment about all this. So let's bring our hearts before the Lord and pray this discernment prayer together, shall we? Let's pray. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, in your mercy, you have called Faith Westwood to be a community of Jesus' people saved by grace through faith. Good and kind Father, let us not forsake the love we had at first, and if we have forsaken that love, we repent. Lord Jesus, we want to love you, keep your commands, and follow in your steps. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. As we enter this time of discernment about our denominational affiliation, make us wise through the Holy Scriptures so we do not just listen to what we want to hear. Save us from being deceived by the evil one. As we make our individual decisions, help us to do so not based on sentiment or anger or wishful thinking, but based on your will for us. May every word we say and every action we take be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I uh, conducted a wedding earlier this month uh, for Donna Ayer and Travis Korn. It was, a, it was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Some of you were there, beautiful Sunday afternoon, sunny, and uh, at one point, while I, uh, the groom is, is repeating after me his vows, I'm also looking at this ladybug crawling around his collar and then up toward the back of his neck. So one-third of my brain is focused on saying these words, these vows for him, and the, the two-thirds is fo focused on that bug. 
And, I'm, and, and it was just almost from his collar to his neck right there. And I was afraid that, you know, Travis might freak out when he feels this bug start crawling up his neck. Um, so as soon as he finishes the vows, I immediately reach over, pick, pluck that bug off his collar, and toss it into the wind. <laughs> and yet, all of that did not spoil in any way that moment. From the looks of their faces... During the vows and the prayers, it just seemed to me that Donna and Travis were, were grasping the holiness of that moment and the depth of their promise. It, it was beautiful. And, and they were promising a love that will prevail even amid life's biggest challenges. The prophet Hosea in the 8th century B.C., he had a strange marriage. God tells him to go and marry a promiscuous woman, knowing, well, she's going to be unfaithful. In chapter 1, Hosea marries Gomer. Ladies, give thanks to God that you were not named Gomer, right? <laughs> Little things to be thankful for, folks. Anyway, Gomer and Hosea have a son, and then they have a daughter, and then they have another son. And each of the children are given names that are like prophetic messages to Israel, not normal names at all. Then Gomer leaves Hosea, abandons him, and chases after other lovers. In chapter 3, the Lord tells Hosea, go find your wife and show your love for her. And Hosea does. He goes out and he finds her. And apparently she's enslaved, most likely as a prostitute. Hosea says this. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Hosea goes beyond what anyone would expect to keep his marriage covenant with Gomer. Now, why does the Lord tell Hosea to do all this? Because he wants to send a message to Israel. The Lord tells Hosea, love her, that is, love your wife, as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. And in Hosea chapter 2, the Lord lays out Israel's unfaithfulness. Worshiping other gods, disobeying the covenant. And as a result, the Lord is going to let Israel be defeated by its enemies. I mean, they lust, lust after their gods anyway. It's a severe judgment. And yet, even then, even then, God will not stop loving them. The day will come when the Lord brings them back and restores the covenant. The Lord will propose to them like a man proposing to the woman he loves. Yahweh says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness, in justice, in love and compassion. And the word translated love is the Hebrew word hesed. It's one of the most important words of the Bible. Uh, in the New International Version, it's sometimes translated love or unfailing love, sometimes as mercy or kindness. Other translations call it loving kindness or steadfast love. 
This is the fifth of our six Sunday series called Good Morning, This is God. And it's based on this foundational verse in uh, the Old Testament, Exodus 34, 6, where God reveals his character to Moses. And, and as we've been learning, whenever we see the word Lord in all caps in the Old Testament, it's translating the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh, which means I am. So here it is, Exodus 34, 6, but I'm going to leave Yahweh untranslated, okay? Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And just like in Hosea 2.19, the word translated love here is hesed. But it makes you wonder, well, if hesed can be translated so many different ways, what is the definition that holds all that together? What is it really about? So here is the core meaning of God's hesed. God's hesed love means Yahweh has a tremendous capacity to stay loyal to his covenant with his people even when they turn their backs on him. That is hesed. It's the heart, that, that statement there is the heart of today's message. I hope you'll think about it, take it home, talk about it with your family and friends. Let me say it again. God's hesed love means Yahweh has a tremendous capacity to stay loyal to his covenant with his people even when they turn their backs on him. And that's probably why hesed is, is often translated as mercy. Because Yahweh remains loyal to them, showing them by showing them mercy, even when they disobey him and chase after the idols of other nations. Here's a verse that probably a lot of you know. It's from the end of, of Psalm 23. It says, Surely your goodness and hesed will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hesed, your kind, merciful, covenant-keeping, loyal love. Hesed is, is also the, th the big theme of the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth gets married. She enters into a marriage covenant with her husband, and then he dies. But she refuses to abandon her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi. So Ruth stays loyal to the covenant even beyond what anyone would expect. So the two women, they, they, they return to Naomi's hometown, the two unmarried widows with, with little means to provide for themselves. Ruth, being the younger and stronger one, goes out to a field to glean barley, uh, picking up scattered stalks of grain that were left by the harvesters. The owner of the field, Boaz, tells her that she can glean his fields all she wants. And he will ensure that she is protected. At the end of the day, Ruth returns to Naomi. And we find this in chapter 2, verse 20. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness, hesed, to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. So here... Boaz shows hesed. He stays loyal to the family covenant and to his responsibility as the guardian redeemer, which means 
caring for family members who have fallen on hard times. And that is the way God is. The Lord is abounding in Hesed love. So, will you say the heart of the message together with me this time? God's Hesed love means Yahweh has a tremendous capacity to stay loyal to his covenant with his people even when they turn their backs on him. Nine-year-old boy in our church, uh, Henry Malky, had surgery nearly two weeks ago. Some of you remember Henry as the boy in the wheelchair who cannot speak. Um, Tuesday evening, I, I visited Henry and his mom, Katie, at the hospital. And sadly, and I, and I talked to her on the phone again yesterday, sadly, Henry is still not woken up. And um, he will have an MRI tomorrow to see what's happening in his brain. And I, on her behalf, I just want to thank all of you for all of your prayers for them and for the, the food and gift cards that you've given. You know, that first week, Katie spent virtually the whole week at Henry's bedside. And then the second week, she did go to work some, and then she would go right back to the hospital and spent the night there on the couch in, in the hospital room. And when I was there, I, I just watched as, as Katie spoke so lovingly to Henry and, and caressed his face and spoke words of encouragement gently to him. Like, like most mothers, Katie has a tremendous capacity to stay loyal to her child and to her motherly covenant. Even when it's so challenging, that's, that's Hesed love. Let's open our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, starting with verse 5 in your pew Bible. It's on page 484. And even if you're not used to grabbing the Bible to open it with me today, do it today because I'm going to need you to follow along through what we're going to do with it, all right? Now, backstory here. The people have returned to Jerusalem after the exile, but now, even a century after so many of them have come back to Jerusalem, they are still demoralized and discouraged. Um, they face opposition from so many enemies around them, and they're in, they're in a vulnerable position because th their city walls and gates are, remain destroyed. And then God calls Nehemiah to leave his position as the cupbearer to the king of Persia and to organize the people of Jerusalem to rebuild their city walls, which they do in, in just 52 days. Like, totally amazing. And then they have a big worship gathering together to, to celebrate what God has done for them. And so we have this liturgy here, starting in the middle of verse 5, and it's recounting God's hesed love to them throughout their history. So what I'd like to do is, is go through this with you as an act of worship. Here's how, here's how I propose we do it. I will read each verse, and then at the end of each verse, we'll all praise God together by saying, your loyal love will last forever. All right? So I'm going to start there with blessed in the middle of verse 5, 
And we're going to go down through verse 17. So that's going to be 13 times. This is 13 times you'll reply with that, okay? And uh, so when I get to the end of the verse, uh, be ready to say these words of praise. And all of you who are online, just join with us and, and say it out loud. Let's begin. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. Your loyal love will last forever. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Your loyal love will last forever. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. Your loyal love will last forever. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. Your loyal love will last forever. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. Your loyal love will last forever. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. Your loyal love will last forever. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. Your loyal love will last forever. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. Your loyal love will last forever. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. Your loyal love will last forever. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. Your loyal love will last forever. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. Your loyal love will last forever. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. Your loyal love will last forever. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. 
But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. Your loyal love will last forever. Now I invite you to close your Bibles and also to uh, close your eyes, if you wish, for a time uh, as we go into a, a prayerful guided meditation. And uh, I would encourage you just to, to get comfortable and to take a couple of deep, slow breaths. The ancient root word for hesed means to bow your head toward another. During this meditation, think of a child you know well, maybe a child in your family or the child of a close friend. Imagine a time when you and this child are sitting next to each other and you bend your head toward the child and the child leans toward you and your foreheads touch. It is a sweet moment of joyful intimacy. With your foreheads touching, you whisper a promise to the child. I will never give up on you, never stop loving you. I will always be there for you. And now, imagine that you are the child and God is the one who bows his head toward you and you lean in to God and your foreheads touch. And God whispers a promise I will never give up on you, never stop loving you. I will always be there for you. <laughs> 